Sorry about that. Happy Christmas Eve, Eve. Woohoo! It's like a bonus Sunday today. Um, Christmas Eve. So we are in the Advent season, and this is the fourth Sunday of Advent. So our last Sunday, and then of course tomorrow's Christmas Eve, and then of course on Tuesday is Christmas Day, where we say, "Ah, he's here. He's arrived. The baby's born." And this Advent season, we've been looking at this hymn, O Come, Let Us Adore Him, as a guide to our waiting, our anticipation, our preparation for Christ to be born again. So here's how this song goes. If you, if you haven't heard it this series um, enough, here it is. O come, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. O come, ye, O come, ye, to Bethlehem. Come and behold him. There's a lot of repeated one word here. I don't know if you can pick that one word out. Um, born the king of angels. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Today, in looking at these lines, we want to focus on come and behold him. Come and behold him. So I want to look at three things for come and behold. The invitation that it is, the cost that it requires, and of course, the result that hopefully will come. So those two words, come and behold, they are very warm and welcoming. They're inviting us into something, right? They sound good in a song as well. But this hymn takes us back in time to remember, to come and adore him, to come to Bethlehem, to come in our mind, in our memory to the story, and to remember the events. So we remember the shepherds who are the real people going to see Jesus in the manger. We remember those wise men and the crazy story of them following a star to find this child. And of course, we have to remember a little bit Herod, terrible, horrible Herod, who climbed in power in the Roman system to be the ruler in Israel at that time. We are invited back to remember that story, but we are also invited to come and behold today, to come and behold the living God. And it is our turn today. So those two words, they work nicely together. Come and behold. And the first word, come, is simply the idea of something happened over here and we've been invited to go check it out. We've, we've received word that this has happened. And now we're invited to come and see what's happening. And of course, we have a choice in that come. We have the choice to just keep doing what we're doing and ignore the invitation. Or we have the choice to put down what we're doing and go. And putting down what we're doing sometimes is easier than other times. But simply come. And that first question is, will you come? You know, here's Christmas once again. It comes every year. But will you come? And of course, this is not necessarily a physical, literal coming to the place where Jesus was born, because that happened 2,000 years ago. Instead, we come in a different way. We come to the story that points us to something that is still active and alive today, which is God, right? That the story of Jesus began at his birth, but then the story continued through all his life, his teaching, his miracles, and it came to his death and his resurrection. The whole of Jesus' Jesus's life is what we're being invited to come and behold. 
know, the fact is God has been active in history all along the way. And we continue today to come to that very active, alive, and living God. So what stands in the way of come? What gets in the way? Maybe we can simply say, we're too busy, because that's a very traditional holiday thing to say. Too busy to come. Or maybe it's not important enough to come. You know, I've got this important thing that I'm doing, and I don't want to set it down and leave it. Or maybe that thing that is, feels so important is just what's in front of me, and the come invitation just doesn't connect. You know, what's the risk? If I set this down and stop that in order to come and behold, you know, what's the risk? I think for us here, 2,000 years after the story, there's also this odd thing that when, in order to come and behold, we have to undo in our minds a little bit of the story that happened these past 2,000 years. You know, there's been so many things done in Jesus' name that were wonderful and good and amazing. But there were also things done in Jesus' name that were not so good, not so pleasant. And so now we have this pause. We hesitate to come just because of some of that mess that surrounds the story and how it's been lived out for all these years. So what stands in the way to come? Well, if you are willing to come, the second word is behold. And I think they have to work together. You know, to behold this child. You know, behold, it's not an everyday word that we commonly use. I don't know if in the past week, other than singing a song, you said to someone, behold, my work project. Here it is. You probably didn't say that because it's not part of our common vernacular, although it is a word we understand. I mean, simple definition is of behold is to look at, to observe, to see. But when you think about behold, Behold seems to have a connotation that's deeper and more than just physically focusing your eyes on something. To behold has a connotation that the thing you are beholding has some weight, some value. It's impressive. It has some greatness about it. So that thing calls you in to behold it. Not just to look at it and see it, but to take it in for more than what it um, is at first glance. It requires something deeper to behold. Do you know what the opposite of behold is? If you think about that, opposite of behold. Behold isn't a very common word. Well, here's an example of the opposite of behold. So Susie and I have a relative who is like a PhD nuclear physicist. And when you hang out with him for the holidays and you ask him, hey, how's your job going? What are you up to? You know, you want to behold what he does, but he starts talking in English in perhaps words that make no sense to me, and my eyes glaze over, and I want to understand, I want to be engaged, but I, I've just stopped beholding, and the opposite has happened. Have you experienced this? It's the opposite of behold. Well, I'm sorry, but I'm about to do this to you. I'm about to create the glaze-over look on your face. And I, I apologize on the front end. So if you try to hang with me, that'd be great. Because I want to use, um, talk about something about Behold that was very exciting to me, but it's very much geeking out in some language stuff. 
So, that's my caveat to prepare you and helping you hopefully behold. Well, many of you probably know that the Bible was written in two different languages primarily, Hebrew and Greek. And then that was translated into English, our language that we commonly speak. Now, there's lots of translations from those early languages into English, and lots of choices had to be made in order to translate. I mean, there's choices of words, because you know, there's not always like one word in that language that matches exactly with a word in our language. Or verb tenses. We don't even share verb tenses sometimes from one language to the other. So it's very complicated, and you have to make a lot of choices. Are you glazing over yet? And if somebody is, just nudge them, bring them back. But this word behold, in the English Standard Version, translation into the English of the Bible, they use this word very directly to translate words in Hebrew and Greek. So there's a word in Hebrew and Greek that means directly behold, and they translate it behold. So in the ESV version, there is 1,102 times that the word behold appears in the English standard version. Okay, got that? 1,102. Now, the NIV, which is a different translation, making different choices, and they're using more vernacular language of English, guess how many times behold shows up in the NIV version? Just shout it out. 600? Zero? None? Did you guys come to first service and you just came back? Because the answer is one. Where were the people guessing like 500 or 600? Ah, second service. Where's only one? Because behold isn't a common language use word in English. So the NIV chooses other words like look, listen, other things. Well, here's how it works. And then I'll be done glazing your eyes over. Um, here's in Matthew 1.23 from the ESV. It says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then the NIV, here it is, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. All right, done with the glazing over fun facts of behold. But behold is more than to simply look. That's the whole point. To behold is more than simply to look. I mean, if you think about the shepherds, think about those shepherds out in their field watching their flock by night, and then they get this message, and they go as a group to go see the baby. And maybe one of the shepherds is just going along with the crowd, right? This shepherd doesn't care. He's like, oh, angels in the sky, maybe I was just dreaming that. Doesn't, isn't really engaged, and goes along with the crowd, arrives and peeks in. He's like, yep, it's a baby. And he looks but he does not behold. Because to behold requires something more. To behold requires that you take into consideration who this child is, what he means, who he will become. It's beholding the bigger story of this child and who this person is and will be. So, you might be able to say, looking is free, but beholding costs something. Isn't that fun? Looking is free, but beholding costs you something. So what stands in the way of beholding? What is the barrier to beholding? 
that cost? What is that cost? You know, the cost that in our lives to behold Jesus, it requires something of us. Perhaps it requires letting go of something and leaving something behind. Perhaps it requires a change of how we think and understand and put our, our thoughts together. You know, there is some cost to beholding. Some sort or other, there is a cost to beholding Jesus. All right, this morning, I want to read the shepherd's story and the wise men's story. And I want to see how they behold. So as I read, and you remember this story and go back to it, listen for the invitation, listen for the cost, and listen for the result that happens. Okay? Here we go. Here is the shepherds. And in that, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And then suddenly there was a, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Which in other translations you might be familiar with say, with, on whom his favor rests. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And as they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. All right. What was the invitation for the shepherds? I mean, for the shepherds, they received the most clear the most unmistakable, the most amazing invitation. Angels appearing in the night sky, telling them what to do. You know, in your life, if you've ever felt like, oh, God, just show me, write a message in the sky, I just need to know clarity from you. The shepherds got that kind of clarity. It's pretty amazing. And then you think about the shepherds. What was the cost for them. What was the cost to come and behold? It's probably pretty cheap. You know, it didn't cost them much to walk not very far away to go see this child. And, you know, what's the cost for them? Maybe they just took like a lunch break from the sheep and went over, saw the baby, came back. Quick and easy. Super cheap. And for them, what's the cost to behold the baby? What was the cost to them? Again, not very much, pretty cheap. Like, think about who these shepherds were. You know, they were not like very fancy, important people. These were the lowest of the low. You know, the shepherds, sorry shepherds, but you guys, they were nobodies. And this was even like the night watch group of shepherds. So they were the low and the low. They didn't have much to lose in going and checking out this baby. Not much cost to them. You know, they didn't expect much of themselves that they had to give up in order to go behold the baby. 
They didn't have many expectations from other people on them that they had to be like, aware of and keep. They could easily go and behold. And what was the result? What was the result of those shepherds going and beholding? It said that they went and told people. They just went out and told a whole bunch of people. And who did they tell? They told all the regular people probably just like them. Anybody who would listen, they would just went and told this amazing story, and people who heard it just wondered at it and were just fascinated by what they heard. So all those nice, regular people got to hear and receive the invitation through the shepherds. Let's consider next the wise men. And again, as I read this story, I want you to listen for the invitation, the cost, and then what the result was. Here's how Matthew writes about the wise men. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you found him, bring him back. Bring me word, so that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that had, they had seen went, when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Oh, I, always, I love the wise men. I'm always amazed by these wise men. Because what was their invitation? You know, you think about the shepherds. They got this super clear invitation in the sky, angels speaking to them. But the wise men, what was their invitation? They had to, like, puzzle out a message written in the stars, super unclear, taking tons of thought and energy to figure it out. They got the opposite of what the shepherds got. And that's the mystery and the amazing thing that God did to tell this people in a different country that this child was being born. And what was the cost? What was the cost for the wise men to come and find this child, to search the child out? Super expensive. I mean, they were in another nation. They had to travel. I mean, just think of the road trip expenses they had, let alone the danger of traveling from one country into a not-as-friendly country 
to be going to. Costly, dangerous. I mean, you think about for us today, if we got this message, because we're waiting for Jesus to come back, right? We get this message, hey, Jesus has come back to earth. He's in Syria, and he's gathering his people to him. What would we do? I mean, just think about the expense of that road trip. I mean, how do you even get to Syria today? I mean, you can't fly direct there, so it's super inconvenient to fly to a different country and then rent a van, or maybe you just take your hiking boots and your backpack, and you just have to walk. And you just have to ask people as you go, hey, have you seen this Jesus? Have you heard? Where do we go? I mean, it's crazy to think about that, let alone how hostile it would be for us to arrive in Syria just looking around for Jesus. The cost was immense. And you think about the cost for the wise men to behold Jesus. I mean, that was a dangerous cost. I mean, you think about here, these wise men, these very high people in society from a different nation arrive in King Herod's court, and they say to King Herod, hey, we saw the star rise, and it's the, we're looking for the king of the Jews. And Herod's thinking, I'm the king of the Jews, so I'm just going to be done with you guys. I mean, it was super dangerous for them to go and find this child. But what was the result? You know, the shepherds, they told all the regular people. Who heard this invitation to come and behold because of the wise men? Herod, all the high priests, the officials, all the like upper echelon of society heard about this child because of the wise men. It was them that brought the invitation so that those people also would hear in a credible way that there's a child being born who is special and unique. You know, we can't say that God only, you know, communicates to the marginalized shepherds. Because God is also speaking to the upper echelon, inviting them, inviting them in. So how about for us? What is our invitation? You know, what is our invitation? How does it come to us? Again, we don't have this opportunity to go to this place to see the child, but we are invited into the story, the story that's been told and retold and passed on all these generations. The story that says, hey, God is active and alive and participating in our world. That's the invitation in to this God who began something new with Jesus through his life, his birth, his teaching, his miracles, his death, and his resurrection. We're invited into his story that he began, but that God has been continuing through lives of people over all these years. So the invitation is to come and behold the living Jesus. That's just a great reminder at this Christmas season to come and behold and bring our lives into his life. So what is the cost for us to come and behold? What is the cost? You know, Jesus said, if anyone who would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. 
you know, the cost is to come and die. You know, it's a lot of little deaths that we're invited into, these little deaths to die to our ego, to die to our attachments or to our addictions, you know, to die to our comforts and desire for ease and life. Our small deaths to all the little concerns that distract us away. The invitation is to come and follow him. And in those deaths, the result is a resurrection life. Isn't that a great thing about Jesus? He was born, and then at the end he died, but he rose again to new life, which ushered in something new for us, that when we participate with him in all those little deaths, we also receive resurrection life. You know, Jesus was born, and we follow him into his death and resurrection. And that is what we come and behold today. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you today. We may not see you with our earth eyes, but you are here. And we offer our lives as living sacrifices to you. We present ourselves to you. We fix our eyes on you. And we come to behold you, living and active. And Christmas is full of awe and wonder at your birth. And it's the beginning of the story that is continuing still today as you are active and alive and participating with us. Guide us into all the little deaths so that we can experience your resurrection life. Happy birthday, Jesus. Amen.